Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. I am so excited that it is the fall. The fall is the time for baseball, not baseball, football and soccer and so many different things that are here. And it's crisp in the air. It was a little hot yesterday, but it's amazing today. So uh, recently, my husband and I went to Catalina Island. And I don't know if you know, but you can you can launch your boat off of Catalina Island off of uh, Long Beach, or you can launch it out of San Pedro. And that is what San Pedro is known for, other than being my hometown. It's the place where I grew up. It's beautiful, guys. The ocean is there, although we have the mountains, so I have to say that that is a wonderful thing to wake up to also. But my parents' house opens up over the ocean, and you can just see it. And my drive to school when I was in high school was along that coastline. And um, when we were going back, we were wanting to do a couple of different things. Like, of course, we have to hit up the, the best sandwich shop in place. And it's San Pedro. They have no places that are commercialized. It's all about the best sandwich place or the best meatballs, the best pizza, a lot of different ethnic kind of restaurants. So, of course, we hit up the, the favorite sandwich shop. And it was just so fun to go through the town. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever been back to your hometown and you find yourself driving somewhere and you thought, oh, I I definitely don't remember how to get to my favorite place because it just seems so different than when you were there growing up. Or I can't even think of a single person that I know that still lives there besides my parents, even having grown up and played soccer there and uh, gone to school there. The hometown just seems a little bit different. Maybe it's a little bit different for some of you because you perhaps grew up living in San Marino or this area. But for those of us who have to go back home, it's a little bit of a trek. It's a little bit of a, a journey, a place that somehow was so familiar to us, yet at some point in our lives, it became more unfamiliar. And so actually, that's where we find ourselves in this scripture today. Jesus, who is now a grown-up man, he is returning back to his hometown. And in his hometown, he found lots of people that knew him when he was younger, But this is a different Jesus. And of course, you know, traversing the streets, it wasn't that big of a town. So perhaps he found all of the favorite places. But one thing that was very different about him getting back to his hometown was that the feeling about who he was was very different. So we we bring ourselves to this chapter, Luke chapter 4. It's not very far into the gospel. Let me bring you up to speed. Chapter 1 was about introducing the character of John the Baptist, who prepared the way for Jesus literally by being born first. And then the second chapter of Luke is the very familiar text that you all hear at Christmas time, the birth of Jesus. It's a magnificent story. It takes up the whole chapter. And then the third chapter is about John the Baptist proclaiming that Jesus is Lord, preparing the way and saying that he is the Messiah. And then we have chapter four, which begins with the temptation of Jesus. Perhaps you're familiar with that, where Jesus removes himself from society. He goes into the desert and he is there and he does not eat or drink for 40 days. So he is hungry. And at that point, he has this interaction with the the devil 
And at that point, he is tempted and he traverses the devil. So now he is stepping back into society and that's where we find ourselves. Would you listen to our scripture or read along with us as we read from Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 14. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When Jesus came to Nazareth, that's his hometown, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was the custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me, to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery to the sight of the blind, and to let the oppressed go free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he's rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all on the synagogue were fixed on him, and they began to say to him, then he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled with your hearing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? O Lord, our God, as we sit here listening to the word of the Lord, much like the people of Jesus's time who sat there yearning for a word from God for their lives, let them be there. Let them having been transformed by the words of Jesus be a template for how we are to be transformed by the words of Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. When we think about the fact that Jesus was Jewish, it puts a little bit of a different spin on how we view the gospel and how we view the people that received the gospel. When we think about the fact that Jesus was first and foremost a Jewish rabbi, we have a better understanding and a better means to understand how to follow him. You see, Jesus grew up in Israel, which is a very orthodox Jewish region in the region called Galilee. So you hear about these names. So Nazareth was a town in Galilee, much like San Marino is a town in Los Angeles. And their tradition is that Moses, who is one of the great olds of the Old Testament, gave them the books of the Bible, the first five, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, as a copy of what God said. And the central passion and how people lived their life was all about obeying the Torah and having the Torah be a part of their life. And the question among the rabbis became, How young do we start teaching our young kids about the Torah? Because at some point, the developmental capabilities of a kid can't understand the magnitude of what the Bible is. Although, for adults, it's really hard to understand the magnitude of the Bible also. But they finally decided upon six years old. One rabbi said, under the age of six, we do not receive a child as a pupil. But from six upwards, we accept him and stuff him with Torah like an ox. 
So around six years old, that's like kindergarten. Kids began with the understanding of what the Torah was. They already knew the Torah was important because their parents had taught them that it was important, but now they got their hands on it. Or I guess they weren't really allowed to touch it too much. But they got to understand it, and the, the memorizing of it became part of their breath, became part of their being, became part of this tradition that they were growing up in. And so they were just taught by the local synagogue Jewish rabbi. And the students would begin memorizing the Torah from then to the age of 10. And by the age of 10, they would have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy memorized. The text was so central to their living that you probably know from listening to the scriptures, when Jesus would say something, they all knew. And it's because of this rich tradition of being so ingrained in the Torah that whenever Jesus said this or that, you remember how it was said, they did. It wasn't some deep past memory or some vacation Bible school song that they were trying to recall. It was ingrained in who they were. It was central to how they lived their lives. And everyone seems to know the Bible. So when Jesus quotes the Bible, this phrase, this verse from Isaiah, everyone knows the text. I wonder if it would be like today if we had scripture be part of our identity that deep. It might be a little bit of a challenge to memorize the first five books of the Bible. But maybe there's something else that we could do that might be the next step in our life. So rabbis taught the Torah, and they were the most respected members in the community. They were the best of the best, the smartest of the smartest, because if you didn't have things done and memorized by the age of 10, they kicked you out of school, and you went on and learned the family trade. So then if you got to the age of 15, you still were in rabbi school, you you were the best of the best at that point. And you took some tests and some examinations, and if you didn't make the cut, then you didn't go on to the next level. And again, you went on to go find the family trade or do your own business of some sort. So the best of the best were the rabbis who were about 30 years old. And that's where we find Jesus. So Jesus was a rabbi about 30 years old and the most respected member of the community. And so when Jesus walked in to read the Torah that day, all eyes were on him. And Jesus was the inspired one. Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. And he had been well known by that point, even though it's just Luke chapter 4, they knew about his presence. They knew about what he had done. They knew that he took this time away and he proved it with prayer and thought and study of scripture. Here he was standing before them and he preached. But when he preached, he preached the exact opposite of what they thought he was going to say. What was so wrong with what he said? What made them kick him out of the the synagogue? We don't have this part in our pericope, but it goes on to, and perhaps you're familiar with the story, that after Jesus had preached this gospel, they said, no, 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 no. And they kicked him out of town, and they almost threw him off a cliff. How would they treat him this way? 
It's because of what's on the screens. This pericope, this, these words from Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release of the captives and recover the sight of the blind and let the oppressed go free and proclaim this is the year of the Lord's favor. His hearers have been waiting for this moment, this message, this time for God to liberate Israel from their oppressors. There was so much that was pulling down on them. If you think about the time that it was, the Roman Empire had taken over everything. They were relinquished to only be in these one little pockets. They could barely practice their own religion with a lot of different Roman guards that were around them, and they couldn't step out of line for fear of their lives. The oppression was real. So this message was quite shocking, and it wasn't what they expected. Because God's grace is so surprising, and God's grace is so powerful that God would make the hungry not hungry anymore, make the blind be able to see, and make those who are oppressed go free. You see, what they wanted to hear was that there was a God who would come through much like a superhero and just move and shake and make things happen so that they could sit back and passively be part of watching the action. But what pissed them off so much was that they were called to be part of the action. It's much harder to get up off the couch and get your own cup of water. It's much harder to go and extend that cup of water to a friend who is thirsty. It's much harder to go to Africa and build a well or a clean water system. But that's what God is calling us to do. In some part of that spectrum... God is not wanting us to sit back and passively see God act. But we are called to be part of that action. And how amazing it is because each and every one of you in this room has a gift and talent. Many, actually. I'm looking at some of you who I know intimately well. You have many talents And already you're using them in many ways. I look out on this congregation and I see how involved these dedicated members are of this congregation. And we're not just doing busy work, busy be things, are we? We're transforming other people's lives. We are helping other people in other countries have clean water. We are spreading the gospel. We are teaching those who are very young. We are making sure that there are people by the bedside of those who are dying. We are a congregation who is moving and shaking. Amen, San Marino? We are. And if you walk out into the ministry fair, you see that there are so many active places where you could be a part of and already are a part of. And so when Jesus says to bring good news to the poor, you're not just being passive. It's like Jesus was standing up there and he's like, let's just, let's bring good news to the poor. But what does that tangibly look like? Maybe it looks like bringing fine wine or something like a fresh root or vegetable to a person who only has a McDonald's and Funyuns around the corner from their house because they live in a food desert. 
Maybe it's people that understand that their bank accounts aren't what define them. Or what about Jesus preaching release to the captives? What does it mean to be truly bound by something? Perhaps Jesus is really preaching freedom to those who need freedom away from needles, bottles, or perhaps a laptop. Maybe it's removing the worthlessness you feel or the depression that you feel. Maybe it's from getting out underneath the justice system. And when Jesus comes up and preaches recovery from the sight of the blind, maybe it's a different viewpoint that we need to understand or allowing God to not see that there's an us and a them. You see, the spirit of the Lord is here and it is releasing the oppressed, the overworked, the unloving, and the parts of ourselves that feel so small. And Jesus stood up there and preached all of these things. And they were shocked. And I imagine if Jesus came up here and preached those same words, then he'd say, okay, guys, you're not moving. Stop looking at me. All that I said is here. Today is the day that the scripture has been fulfilled. And you are hearing it. So what are you waiting for? Go. You see, my friends, there is an honest and true connection between participating in Jesus' mission and professing him as Lord. And they knew that, and we know that, and we act upon that because we are so thankful of God's grace and God's message to us today. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Well, Lord, our God, we are so thankful for all of the moving and shaking that you have done in our lives and encouraging us to move out of our comfort zone into the places where we need to be. God, remove the blindness from our eyes to see the need in the world, to see the hunger in the world, to see those who need to be loved in the world. And God, as others feel underappreciated, chosen last for the team, Let us know that there is no part of us that is so small that can't reach out and be the change. In your name we pray, amen.